CNBC is your ticket to Omaha for the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting. Hi. It's good to see you. It's good to see Hi, you. How are you? I'm Becky Quick, the co-host of Squawk Box. Join me in May. Warren Buffett meets with shareholders. Their questions, his answers. We'll have all the highlights and the insights from one of the world's best-known investors right here on Squawk Pod. Follow and listen to CNBC Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts, and you won't miss a thing. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Right now in OA, crude's big climb over the last three months, WTI jumping close to 30%. Oil now at its highest level of the year. Is now the time to trade or fade the energy stocks? The technical take straight ahead. Plus, as UAW workers hit the picket lines, we will look at the action of the names beyond the big three. How will stocks in the auto complex react to Detroit's labor struggles? And later, can FedEx deliver as it gets set to report earnings, charting the next move in the airlines, and a semi-tough week for the semiconductor sector? I'm Melissa Lee, this is Options Action Live from the NASDAQ market site on the desk tonight. Mike Coe, Carter Worth, and Brian Stutlin. And we begin with an energized week for the energy sector. WTI at its highest level since last November. And Brent crude closing the week at 94 bucks a barrel. The sharp move higher also helping ETFs like the XLE and OIH post healthy gains so far this month. The chart master is here to tell us if we should be expecting oil to keep ripping or start dripping. <laughs> He's like taking a look at the airlines who are so impacted by these rising prices. Yeah, surely. And you're getting reports from the airlines. We just mm-hmm. heard earnings out for several and just saying, look, this, uh, not forget the labor costs, which are a problem and ongoing, but we've got a fuel problem. The question is, it's just about sequencing. Oil was hated, and now it's loved. Look, look at this first chart. That's a major break above that downtrend. We were at 65 a barrel. Now we're at 92. I think uh, it's right to start to fade this, to at least hedge or take profits. Um, in terms of the airlines, of course, they are now hated as opposed to crude, which is loved. And we can look at a few airline charts just to figure that out together. But what we have, uh, if you look at this, this is the oldest aggregate of all. It's a New York Stock Exchange airline index. And it starts, in this instance, just before the COVID plunge. No lines, no drawings, no judgments. Let's put some in. And take a look at this trend line. Literally, we are down to the penny, to that very well-defined line in effect since the COVID low. Uh, How precise? Take a look at these arrows. Uh, the point is, we've bounced, and I think we bounce again. Now, one could say, yeah, but these are terrible businesses. 60 airlines have filed for bankruptcy in the course of the last 30 years. All true. And they're heavy use of capital. They are bad business, but that's not about sequencing. Sequence is, can we play it for a trade, just as can we fade energy, thinking maybe perhaps it's too far too fast. All right. Mike, you got a trade working off of Carter's take on the airlines. Yeah, so just taking a look at jets, uh, you know, I think one of the things we should take a look at, and by the way, you know, when we think about options, one of the earliest sort of technical indicators that people who used options volumes used to look at was something called the put-call ratio. And if you take a look at the industry group, it was extraordinarily high in terms of put volumes this week. The entire group over the course of the week, Monday through today, traded about two times its average daily put volume, well over a million contracts. So there's definitely a lot of bear sentiment. And I, and I think that might be something to take advantage of if that reverses or even just, uh, you know, is reduced slightly, you could get a bit of a bounce here. I don't want to get long jets, uh, the ETF, or any of the individual airlines, so given the risks that they face, I think a really tight call spread might be the way to play this. Uh, I was looking at the 1819 call spread that expires in November. 
Uh, that was going to cost about 40 cents, about 40 percent of the distance between the strikes. But bear in mind that this is an at-the-money call spread. It was actually slightly in the money. They, they ended up closing a little bit lower at uh, the end of the day. But you know, this is a way you can risk about 2.3 percent of the ETF's value to make an upside bet that will peak its cap, you know, peak its profits if it rises about five and a half percent between now and November expiration. Brian, your take on this Jets trade? Yeah, well, I think one thing that's kind of neat to point out is Carter mentions the Jets basically hitting that low, maybe playing for a bounce. And that's when I want to use options, long option strategies to play those bounces, because if I'm wrong, all I risk is the premium outlay. And so maybe buying a call spread here, having a debit to pay and get to the long side makes a lot of sense. I don't think the airlines run away to the upside. So that's why you can also sell that upside call that Mike talked about against it to sort of lower the cost. So in that sense, the trade structure plays well. And it does seem like oil is a bit overextended. And if jets, if airlines sort of move opposite to how oil prices are moving, then certainly we could see this reversal turnaround and makes a, a nice little play here to the upside. What is the more convincing trade or convincing chart, Carter? Would it be uh, oil rolling over from the levels it's seen or jets making a bounce? The one is much more speculative. I can't believe on jets, right? Because there's some duress here uh, longer term. My hunch is the better trade, though, is still jets. And here's why. No one wants to do it. And guess what? Today was a bad day. We'd all agree for the market. United Airlines up, Delta up, mm -hmm. Southwest up. They, they feel oversold. There's no one left, perhaps, day to day to sell. Mm. Play for a bounce. Mike, same question to you. Yeah, I would agree. Now, I would also point out two weeks ago, we highlighted a bullish bet in XLE, and that is profitable as of today. And if you think that the move in oil is, that we saw today is, in fact, a, a short-term reversal, you probably want to take your profits in that one, too. Uh, but, you know, this is a situation where these are heavily levered businesses. You know, they have a lot of debt on the balance sheet. That gives you a little bit of juice, I would say, uh, if they do catch a bid here. All right. Now let's get to the UAW strike against the big three automakers today. Despite work stoppages beginning at a number of auto plants, the automotive stocks all closed the day higher. Brian's uh, set to look under the hood of a used car play that's been cruising so far this year. Brian, what's the, what's the stock? What's the trade? Well, it was interesting that all the car automotive you know, type stocks were up on the day, given what's going to maybe take place here with UAW. But I think when you look downstream, what kind of gets interesting is sort of taking a look at some of the used car sales type stocks or auto parts stocks. We've held O'Reilly, for example, in the auto parts side for a while now. That's run nicely to the upside. Also names to look at CarMax. Uh, CarMax basically you know, is on the used car sales side here basically trading at valuations that might be a little bit on the high side. All these names kind of in that sort of used car to auto parts, trading about 23 to 26 times forward-looking earnings. So it is a little dicey to play here. The market was feeling a little sluggish today, obviously, as Carter mentioned. This thing started rolling over. If there's some downside action here, there's some risk to owning this because this is sort of the consumer discretionary middle America kind of play. But I do like still owning a name like CarMax. I just want to protect my stock trade here. I want to protect the position there. And so what I'm looking to do is buy a put spread sort of to hedge myself. I think we talked about this here. Options are relatively cheap right now. I want to be owning options. I'm going to do that through a put spread. I can go all the way out to October here, buying the $82.5, $75 put spread, basically using the $75 strike to sell and offset some of the cost of buying a put on the 82 and a half strike. But I'm going to continue to own something like a CarMax, but I want to protect myself. And it's a pretty nice payout, basically about a two to one when you look at what the total reward would be on the payout to the downside. Mike, what do you uh, think of the trade? 
So, you know, what's going on right now in the in the auto sales area, they've got a lot of headwinds going on. Obviously, we have higher rates. We have higher car prices. We have higher auto loan rejection rates, which have actually gotten quite significant. And to me, that should bolster somewhat uh, basically the auto parts stores. Now, I know that AutoZone, for example, is trying to focus more on pro. But the fact is that if people can't replace their cars, they're going to need to maintain their old ones. And we have a very old fleet. So that's support of CarMax. Uh, focuses heavily on used cars. And if we do see some kind of uh, supply constraints as a result of a broadening of the strike, I mean, right now it's relatively um, you know, constrained in terms of its size, that could support used car prices. That would improve margins for a company like CarMax. So if you want to own it and hedge it the way that Brian is describing, I think that makes a lot of sense. A bearish to bullish reversal buy. Really bombed out, dropped 60% from its high, and is now basing and bottoming. Uh, we might have a chart here, but if not, uh, again, I think it's a textbook example of how a really duress asset turns and cures and heals. All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website and our newsletter. There's much more Options Action right after this. The first zero-day to expiration option ETF has launched. It tracks the NASDAQ 100. With volatility already high in that arena, will this new product be a boon or a bubble in the making for options investors? We'll break it down for you. Plus, calling all options action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. CNBC is your ticket to Omaha for the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting. Hi. It's good to see you. It's good to see you. Hi, how are you? I'm Becky Quick, the co-host of Squawk Box. Join me in May. Warren Buffett meets with shareholders. Their questions, his answers. We'll have all the highlights and the insights from one of the world's best-known investors right here on Squawk Pod. Follow and listen to CNBC Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts, and you won't miss a thing. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Welcome back to Options Action, the first zero-day to expiration option ETF launching this week. The Defiance NASDAQ 100 Enhanced Option Income Fund tracks exactly that, the NASDAQ 100. Its goal is to generate a daily income distribution by selling put options. As a refresher, zero-day options are contracts that expire on the same day the contract is entered into. Joining us now is our own Bob Pisani, senior markets correspondent, host of CNBC's ETF Edge. Who better to ask, Bob? Give us a lowdown here. Well, I'll tell you, I'm of two minds about this. I've been covering this for a while. I had Ed Tilley on from SIBO, who's the guy who's actually making all the money on this. I think uh, on one hand, I think it's great. There's, it, there's new ways to play the market. Uh, and the appeal to retail is very obvious. It's a one-day bet. Uh, you win or lose the same day. It's cash settled. That's the key, cash settlement. And you get this nice little dopamine rush. It's a one-day bet. On the other hand, you know, the, the Jack Bogle inside of me says, do we really need to keep endlessly expanding the derivatives market? And particularly for retail, which is kind of what this is geared towards. It, it encourages market timing. It encourages day trading. And we all know that people make a lot of mistakes when they trade excessively. Um, I don't think there's as much systemic risk out there right now. You know, there is some concerns that the derivatives market gets so big that the tail starts wagging the dog. But those concerns have been around for a long time. I think my more concerns about this 
Gary Gensler calls it gamification. He's been writing about this for a while. And I have some differences of opinion with Gary Gensler, who runs the SEC. But he does have a point about this. So I understand why it's going. It's growing. It's been a huge hit in the last year uh, for SIBO. But let's be a little cautious about encouraging uh, people to jump into day bets on the stock market. Well, Gary Gensler can speak out about gam gamification of the markets, and yet the SEC approved this product. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? I mean, that's the irony they absolutely in all did. of this. Well, it's, look, it's, it, it's one thing to stand up and say, oh, this is illegal, and somehow it's not illegal. Uh, look, the derivatives market is, we don't even know how big the derivatives market is. It dwarfs the underlying market. Uh, so there's nothing illegal about it. The question is whether we want to keep endlessly encouraging it. It's not like we're going to there's a legal basis to deny the application for this. I think it's fine. I'm not opposed to uh, it continue to trade. I'm simply trying to raise a flag here and say, look, there are aspects of this that make it very, very easy for market behavioral economics. If you study that to, to get people involved, that dopamine high, the cash settlement, it's a one day bet. You get up in the morning. OK, I think the S&P is going to be up today. I think the Nasdaq is going to be up today. Oh, I got a bet. This is a very easy way to bet. And we know most people lose those bets. That's the problem well, the I have. Is, I'd like to see more discussions about holding it on longer. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, my, my, the point I would make is that day trading is nothing new. People have been day trading stocks for well over 20 years now. So that, that part is fairly common. And the ETF that we're talking about is actually seeking to take the other side of that bet, basically trying to collect the volatility risk premium because it's actually selling those options and doing so systematically day after day. And that's actually an interesting opportunity for investors. This isn't really a trading vehicle, but more of an investment one. And why is that? Because from a logistical point of view, this is an opportunity that investors wouldn't normally get. Unless you have a really accommodating employer who doesn't mind you clicking the sell button every single day while you're going about your regular job, this is something that only professionals have engaged in. So the normal natural sellers of these short dated options are companies like Citadel in Susquehanna. And if you invest in an ETF like this one, essentially you're getting on their side of the trade. The, the hazard, of course, is that you're selling insurance. And you know that comes with the risk if suddenly something cracks dramatically in the market. But this way you basically have you know, every kind of market participant now has a way to play. If you're trying to day trade and you want to limit your risk, you can use those zero DT options. If you're an investor right. and you want to collect that premium, you can buy this. Yeah, Carter. I mean, just quickly, look, it's an acceptable adult risk. We've been day trading not for 20 <laughs> years since the markets have opened. Jesse Livermore is trading a million times a day. Every sports bet is a, what, a one-day bet? You're betting for an hour. It, it teaches own. It's, it's, not about, it's not about the government encouraging. If it's been approved and it's legal, then it's no different than, sure. well, alcohol is legal. Yeah. You know, you make your own choices. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, thanks for joining I, us tonight. I, Bob Zani. All right. Pleasure. <laughs> Brian, you noted in our call today that this new ETF is coming right as we are seeing an increase in volatility in the NASDAQ, especially the semi-sector. Yeah, and we are. And, and you know, it's Mike mentioned this is selling insurance, right? A one-day ETF, you're selling insurance premium to collect that. The one concern I have is in something to be careful for investors if they were to get into this ETF side of the business here and sort of selling short option premium is we're at pretty low levels in implied volatility and option premium. If you look at something like VolQ, which tracks the volatility index on the NASDAQ, if you look at something like Spikes that tracks volatility on SPY, the spiders, those are sitting at levels pretty low over the last five years. And what we've seen in the past, when these volatility levels get really low, that rubber band gets stretched. And what tends to happen then is you get that snapback effect, you get some volatility, 
We talked about, you mentioned the semiconductors, SMH, rolling over over the last week or so. That's sometimes a telling sign. When we get this rollover, we have a stretch volatility sort of type environment right now. We're setting up for a big volatile move. These are ETFs where you're selling short option premium. I would stay away from those when you're sort of looking for these sort of volatility pops, which I think we could be coming to right now. And so I'm looking actually to add put protection right now, buy puts, buy put spreads to protect my portfolio here for the next, let's call it three to four weeks, because things are stretched to the upside right now. And it's gotten a little dicey over the last few trading days. In other words, volatility has been so low, so the risk reward may not be there, Mike. Well, I, yeah, I think that's a very fair comment. I mean, we're talking about, you know, your perspective on a structure like this as a long-term investment trying to collect premium, and then the market dynamics in which we currently find ourselves. And obviously, the most important thing people can think about when they look at a structure like this is, what is the level of implied volatility? If it's high, you're collecting more for that insurance you're selling. If it's very low, you're not getting much, so the risk-reward dynamics change. And I happen to be long SPX put spread. So in terms of my expectation for volatility near term, that is evidence that I think we could get some. All right. Up next, FedEx out with earnings next week. We'll show you how to think inside the box with an options play. Back in two. Welcome back to Options Action. FedEx out with earnings on Wednesday. It's up about 7% in the last three months, but with fuel costs rising and labor costs uh, too, the question is, where is the stock headed next? Let's get to Mike for the trade. Mike? Yeah, so FedEx, this is a, a name that we own actually in our, in our long fund. Uh, right now, I have to say that if we get through earnings without a whole lot of movement, I'll be pretty happy after the fairly disappointing earnings that we saw late last year. I'm hoping that that basically has priced in all of the surprises now for FedEx over the course of the coming you know, weeks and months. So you know, one thing you can do when we were just talking about selling volatility, a way to do that while mitigating your risk is by selling an iron condor. This is not a structure that we've spoken about all that often, but it is one that can give you uh, basically a, a positive probability of profit, you know, better than expected uh, probability of profit, and you can limit the risk. I was looking specifically out to the October regular expiration, the 230, 240, 260, 270 iron condor. What's going on here? You're selling the 240, 260 strangle, and you're buying the 230, 270 strangle. Basically, you're short that put spread and short that call spread. The stock can only be where it is between it, up or down as of expiration, which means that the most value that this can have at expiration is $10, and you're collecting more than five uh, by selling this. And of course, if it stays between those short strikes, you collect all the premium. Uh, this is a strategy that you can use, whether it's on a single stock or an index, to try to collect a little bit of premium while limiting your risk. Carter, what do you think? I mean, well, for starters, it's it acts poorly, right? Let's just say that it's starting to show the elements of a rollover. You can see here on the screen, right? We're we're just breaching that uptrend line over the past year, but it's also not specific to FedEx. UPS is even under more duress. So there's something wrong with the space, if you can call it two stock uh, index of space. Uh, my hunch is to be careful here. Uh, Brian. Yeah, I mean, I think there is some risk to the downside just in general for the whole stock market and FedEx, such a big player in terms of indices and stuff like that, could participate to the downside with the rest of the market. One thing that's interesting, there's some actual bankruptcies going on in terms of the shipping area where places like a FedEx or a UPS has actually picked up 
some shipments. And so we're starting to see analysts sort of upgrade that. So FedEx might come into the upside here. When you look at earnings, it moves about 4 to 5% on an after-earnings report. So that maybe puts you in between those two break-even points that Mike talks about. If that happens, then you get to win on that. So I think from the standpoint of our options priced you know, maybe too high, and then you collect this premium and win on that, I think there's a pretty good high probability just that if the market starts to get volatile, this stock probably participates to the downside with everybody else. All right. Up next, answers to your questions and the final call. Options Actions back in two. Welcome back to Options Action. It's time to take some questions. Our first fan asks, Eli Lilly has been recently overbought after touching 600. Is it right for a mean reversion trade when at the money 580, 560, bear put spread be a good options play here? Brian, what do you say? Yeah, it's, it's not a bad trade. I mean, I know Eli Lilly, basically their run-up is based on their, their medicine pipeline. But I think anything that's had an extended run to the upside this year, we could see some volatility in the next couple of weeks. So buying put spreads to sort of protect long stock positions makes a lot of sense. All right. Our next fan asks, is Toast a good call spread opportunity? Mike? It always feels a bit risky to get long something called Toast. But I will say <laughs> this is one that has very high options premiums and deservedly so because this thing really moves. They're going to be reporting earnings in November. This is a company that a lot of people are expecting to turn profitable, but it's really going to move around. And I think call spreads are the way to make your long bets rather than buying the underlying. All right, look at that. We've got time for one more question. This one says, Carter has been correctly calling a bearish to bullish reversal in oil prices for the past two months. Does he see the same for the U.S. Nat Gas Fund, UNG? What's your take? Well, given that we're going to want to back away from oil here, uh, I would point out that Christmas uh, Nat Gas contracts made new 52-week lows today. I guess I'd hold off on UNG here. Okay. And, and Mike, is that, I mean, if we think that oil is going to pull back or stall, how about XLE? Uh, yeah. So we were long XLE. I think now mm -hmm. might be a good time to take some profits if you are in that call spread. All right. It is time now for the final call from the options pit. Carter Braxtonworth, what do you say? Generally reduce your exposure to energy stocks and crude oil. Brian Sutland. I'd be protecting positions in CarMax by buying a put spread. Mike Coe. A hedged way to make long bets is with call spreads. I think you can look to Jets for an opportunity there. All right. That does it for us here at Options Action. We'll be back next Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Meantime, do not go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. Have a great weekend. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. All opinions expressed by the Options Action participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Options Action participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warn its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Options Action Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Options Action Disclaimer. 
CNBC is your ticket to Omaha for the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting. Hi. Good to see you. It's good to see Hi. you. How are you? I'm Becky Quick, the co-host of Squawk Box. Join me in May. Warren Buffett meets with shareholders. Their questions, his answers. We'll have all the highlights and the insights from one of the world's best-known investors right here on Squawk Pod. Follow and listen to CNBC Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts, and you won't miss a thing.